Uh, man, I'm excited for today. It's, it's so great to see all of you here. If we haven't met before, my name is Pastor Trevor. Uh, my wife, Lindsay, and our son, Oakland, they are at home today because he was not feeling the greatest. We're not sure if it's allergies or cold. You never know, but we wanted to keep him home because next week is Christmas. We want to make sure he was here for that. So Oakland, if you're watching online, son, right now, which I hope you are, I love you very much. Anyway, uh, and so I'm real pumped for Christmas. Please make sure you RSVP. If you don't have the Church Center app, uh, that's okay. It's not ideal. You should go ahead and get it. But if you don't, it's all right. Just go to radicalchurch.life slash Christmas, and you can sign up there. It'll take you to the browser version of that. I want to make sure everybody has a chance uh, to RSVP so that we know that you're going to be there. We just want to make sure that uh, everyone has a chance to win that switch, too. So uh, today, I'm real excited for this message. It's kind of a, a, a in-between sort of message as we get to Christmas. Uh, but I want to start by asking just a very simple question. How many of you have ever been in a Christmas play before? Let me see. Have you been in a Christmas play? Wow, a decent amount of you, okay? So, you know, you have all kinds of different uh, things that you could be in a Christmas play. We don't, we don't have a Christmas play here at Radical because we have nowhere to practice, all right? But, you know, uh, but I was in Christmas plays growing up. I went to a large church up in Austin and and uh, we did Christmas plays. It was definitely a more traditional thing to do. Some churches still do uh, a lot of like big production Christmas play kind of stuff. And but there's all kinds of roles that you can have in the Christmas play. And there's some great roles. You know, you could be uh, maybe a, a shepherd. You could be a shepherd. You could be an angel that's announcing to the shepherds. All right. You could be a townsperson. It's kind of like the extras. Like you weren't really good enough for any of the other roles. Kind of a role. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of y'all are like, hey, that was me. Like. Come on, man, I was an extra. Anyway, but you know, like you're just kind of like in the background and the hustle and bustle of Bethlehem at night, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're just kind of back there doing your thing. There's a lot of different roles, but the main role that everybody wants in the Christmas play, if you're a teenager or college student, the main role that you're going for is either Mary or Joseph, right? You want to be Mary, you want to be Joseph. They get all the lines, okay? They get all the lines, they get all the cool stuff, and everybody looks at them, they get the coolest costumes, and, and, you know, everyone wants to try to be that. But it's, it's, it's very important, you know. These are big roles. You don't just give those out to anybody. Uh, you know, you have stage auditions. A lot of times they'll have readings, different things like that. I'm telling you, I went to a very large church. This is, this is a big deal, okay. You don't mess around with the Christmas play. And, uh, you know, you have the, the stage auditions. And a lot of times they have songs. So you, can you sing? If you can't sing, get out of here. You're an extra. You're a hustle and bustle in the back. You know what I mean? If you can't sing, you can't be Mary. You can't be Joseph. You got to sing Mary, did you know? And all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then, you know, if you're a redhead, then you just can't be Jesus, you know, because obviously you can't have an Irish Jesus. I mean, that's just not going to happen, right? Uh, the, I just the, imagine the directors are in the back just like, this guy, get out of here, Irish Jesus. That's not even remotely accurate at all. But hey, random white guy with lots of long black hair, why don't you just go ahead and be the culturally completely wrong Jesus, well, a bit widely accepted version of Jesus, so that'll probably work, right? Go ahead and you be the Jesus, even though you're just white with a lot of long black hair. It doesn't even make sense. But it's a cutthroat business, the church Christmas play. And when I say cutthroat, I mean cutthroat. Actually, they will cut your throat for that, for that role. The seamstress in particular will cut your throat when she's coming by trying to fix your costume because you know it's always just like poking you in random places. You have pins everywhere trying to hold these things together. If you've been in it, you know what I'm talking about. They're not always, well, it looks great from the stage, but really in reality, every time you take a step, there's like that random pin that you can't find that's just like smacking you in the side. You're trying to sing Mary, did you know, to like thousands of people and you're just like walking around like this. It's just, it's, it's awful. And I, that song, I have a bone to pick with that song. We're gonna do a little stand-up comedy today, Okay, if that's fine with you guys. I have a bone to pick with, with this. 
Mary, did you know? Did she know? Of course she knew. The angel literally told her on day one, all right? The angel showed up and said, it's going to be, we're going to call him Jesus, Savior of the world, all that kind of stuff. Does it ring a bell? Do you remember that, Mary, like 30 years later when he's like doing his ministry? Of course she remembers. She knows who it is, okay? But then you have the most important role of all, the most important one, and it's, uh, it's the baby. And it's the most important role that that kid will ever play in their entire life. Everything that that child does after becoming Jesus in the kid's Christmas play is just downhill. Like your life's purpose is just completely gone at that point because it's the pinnacle. It's the absolute top of your life. You'll never do anything cooler than actually playing Jesus in the kid's Christmas play. And you only have one job as the baby in the kid's Christmas play. And what is that? It is don't cry. (laughs) Just don't cry. Like you just got to lay there and be cute and maybe don't poop. That would be helpful as well, you know, trying to sneak up the stage. But, but really, if you could just not cry, kid, then you're doing pretty good. And the most dramatic scene in the Christmas play is always the scene at the inn, okay? Mary and Joseph riding in, and they just get off their donkey or their camel, whatever they're riding. Joseph's probably all upset because Mary had to stop 47 times to pee because she's so pregnant. You know what I mean? Joseph's like, just get her off of here. I'm so done with this trip. Can somebody just find us a place so we can have this kid, all right? This woman's about to break. We've got to get this kid out. So they pull up to the Motel 6 in Bethlehem. And as I go to check in, the mean, evil innkeeper turns them away. How dare he? Do you not know what child is this, like within my wife right now? This child is the savior of the world. And the innkeeper's like, I don't care. We don't even have a smoking room available. I'm sorry. Can't even accommodate that. You're trying to get a suite for this kid? It's not going to happen. What awful customer service. And so Joseph goes outside, of course, very biblical, and writes and carves into the reviews tablet that's on the outside. One out of 10 would not recommend Motel 6 in Bethlehem. It's awful. So they go to a random stable of course, with all the animals surrounding them. It's cold. It's night. It's awful. Mary gives birth by themselves with no one around, all the animals. You know, it's like, what's going on? We've got hay everywhere. And it's just very unsanitary by all accounts. And then Jesus is born. That's where it happens. The beautiful, beautiful place, that small little stable by themselves with no help, except that's probably not how it happened at all. Did you know that? That's probably not how it happened whatsoever. I'm going to burst so many of your nativity scene bubbles today. It's going to be awful. You're going to rethink everything you know about Christmas by the end of today, I promise. Today's message is called Make Room. Make room for Jesus. Make room. And while the story of the mean innkeeper and that whole whole story and the nativity scene adds a nice bit of drama to the story of Jesus' birth, and it makes the Christmas plays that you grew up with maybe awesome and fun and, and dramatic. It's, it's most likely not actually how it went. So we're going to read uh, this story in Luke 2, 2 through 7. We're going to talk about probably what it was actually like. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place Well, Quirinus was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, excuse me, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Lots of towns. Because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths 
and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Notice it doesn't say what we're used to hearing there. It doesn't say in. Isn't that interesting? So Caesar, he issues this census that everybody has to go back to their hometown, right? And, and they have to basically uh, 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 register with the Roman government. This is Roman government was in charge at that time. And, and the word that was used in the original Greek text is kataluma. It's kataluma. Okay, you can see it right here. And many translations for years and years and years translated this as in, but actually a more proper understanding of this word might be guest room, could be lodging, could be a place to stay, but also you could translate it as in. It has lots of different uses, but everybody seems to think that it's, it's this in that's more of like a traveler's in. And that's kind of this, this myth that ended up uh, starting in about the second century uh, with another document that came out, but it, it starts going into society as, oh, this was like a traveler's inn, and there was an innkeeper and all this stuff, and, and everybody has this role of the innkeeper in the Christmas play, but you look in the story, and, and actually there's no mention of an innkeeper anywhere. The mean, evil innkeeper is not anywhere in the story of Christmas whatsoever. Uh, so this isn't like the commercial inn, like the Motel 6. This isn't the, the JW Marriott downtown or something like that. You're not going to stay there for the night and get a complimentary breakfast in the morning, okay? This isn't that kind of place. And for that type of lodging, Luke actually uses a completely different word that I'm not going to try to pronounce today, okay? So we're just going to go with that. But traditionally, it's at the end of this really long journey that you see Joseph and Mary scrambling to find a place to stay. I mean, she is about to give birth. It is happening right now, and they're running around trying to find this place. But the passage, when you look at it, actually might even suggest that they were actually in Bethlehem for we don't know how long before she had Jesus. I mean, go back and read it. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So in, in our minds, we have this picture of them just rolling up onto Bethlehem and just running into this place and she gives birth like immediately. That's probably not how it happened. They might've been there for days. They could have been there for weeks, actually. We don't know, we don't know. But it definitely says while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And to be honest, it probably makes more sense that they were there for a longer period of time because why would Joseph subject his nine-month pregnant wife to a long journey while she's about to give birth? That would make no sense. That would actually be a treacherous uh, thing to do, trying to get through all these different places they got to go through. And listen, they don't got cars. You can't just hop in the vehicle and drive a couple hours down the road and then you're at your in-law's house. That's just not how it works, okay? Um, so while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And another thing, Bethlehem, it says Jesus was from Nazareth, right? We know Jesus of Nazareth. They say that in a lot of times in the Bible. But we don't actually know where Joseph was from. We don't know where Joseph was from. Obviously, he went to Bethlehem for the census, and it says because he was in the lineage of David. And some people would say, well, yeah, he had to go back there because, you know, he's from David. That's David's lineage and all that stuff. But it wouldn't really make sense for somebody to go back to their ancestors of eight, 900 years before go back to that hometown of David so that they could get the census. That didn't make any sense. So more likely than not, people would go back to their hometown where they were actually from to take the census, which would mean what? That they probably had relatives that were in town. They probably had a lot of relatives that are in town. Bethlehem is not a massive place by any, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not a big town. And uh, so they probably had relatives to stay with. And here's an important point about this as well. If you had relatives to stay with 
It was a dishonor if you did not stay with them. In that culture, if you chose to stay somewhere else, you were actually dishonoring your own relatives. And as a matter of fact, the, other, the opposite is true as well. If you had relatives there and, and they chose not to host you, even a distant relative, it could be a second cousin, and if they chose not to bring you in, then that would be dishonoring on their part as well. On top of that, he's in the line of David. He's in the kingly line, right? So he probably had a little bit of clout in Bethlehem, all right? It's not like some huge place. So he's got some clout probably in Bethlehem. He's got family. He's got relatives around. So it's most likely that they were probably staying with family, but they had no room in the house. Why would they have no room in the house? Because everybody's in town for the census, okay? We all got to come back to the hometown. Everybody's coming in. And it wasn't just like a one-day deal. The census wasn't like an election day where you just have one day that you can do it. It was more like you have the early voting and then the election day sort of thing. It was over the process of time, over a couple of weeks potentially. And so the issue is, is that they didn't just have, uh, it wasn't like they didn't have a place to stay. They went to this inn. It was more actually that they didn't have room in the house because there was probably too many people and too many relatives that had gotten there before them. They didn't have room there. And it was also common in first century Palestinian homes, which is what this would have been, to have a place for animals to be kept inside. Right, And this makes sense if you think about it. You're not going to leave all of your livestock outside because this is actually a source of their income. Uh, and it would be very easy for someone to steal the animals or they could get preyed upon by wild animals and stuff like that. So they would actually have a way for them to bring the animals inside at night. And that would very much explain why there was a manger actually probably not outside in some random barn or stable but it was actually in the residence of a private home where there was a guest room and animals and place for uh, Jesus to lay in that manger. It wouldn't have actually been that uncommon in a sense. So I know I just completely destroyed everything that you've ever thought about nativity scenes, right? How many of y'all did not know any of that before? You're just like, I had no idea that that was even a thing. I thought it was a barn or a cave or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I thought that too for a very, very long time. And reading this, it kind of pops a lot of bubbles in your head, but it makes perfect sense when you really think about it. So, uh, so no, Mary probably didn't give birth in a cave. It wasn't in a barn or stable, cold alone or anything like that that you might think. She gave birth uh, in a much, much worse place and much worse conditions, and, and that would be at her in-law's house. So, yeah. So how many of y'all visiting your in-laws this Christmas? Come on, let me see. You visiting your in-laws? Are you gonna go hang out with them? They're here today. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Already here in town for two weeks? How long is that? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a long, it's going to be the long haul for some of you guys. Uh, some of you might be visiting your in-laws, and you might be going over there, and uh, you might take a trip to visit your family. They might be coming to visit with you. You might have a full house this Christmas, or you might be going to a full house, and it can be very easy to get, what, stressed out over the holidays. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff going on, and Especially when you get into a house like that, you know, the kids are acting crazy. You got all kinds of food to prepare and there's a, not a lot of room to move around in the house when there's that many people staying and could be loud. Grandpa's yelling at the TV, the football games, whatever's going on. And it's just, just like, oh my gosh, there's just so much going on. I just need, to, I need a break from all of these people that are in this house. It's so easy to let ourselves get stressed out. And I think a problem that we have sometimes is that we actually don't end up making room for Jesus even in our homes. And, and in these times, it's so easy to shove Jesus out of the door to make room for other things. 
to make room for our plans, our family, our food, our Christmas traditions, our presents, the gifts, the Nintendo Switch, right? It's so awesome, you know? And we get into all this mode of all these traditions, these things that we do for Christmas. And maybe like Mary and Joseph showing up to the in-law's house, they might have already had too many people, too many relatives that have already hopped into these different places within the home that they actually didn't even have enough room for Jesus to stay. And so my encouragement to you today is even with the full home, let's make room for Jesus this Christmas. Amen? Amen. Let's make room for Jesus. Because sometimes there's so many other things that we allow to invade our homes and invade our hearts and, and we end up pushing Jesus out because we're just thinking about all the other things that have to get done, all the other things we have to uh, do and accomplish and the exciting things about Christmas that are honestly, there's nothing wrong with those things. But how much of that is cluttering our home and our hearts to the point where we actually end up pushing Jesus out and we're not even really remembering the reason for the season? Come on. So uh, there's two places to make room for Jesus this Christmas and I've already said them. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It might just be an encouragement to you as you go through the next couple of weeks. Two places to make room for Jesus this Christmas. It's in your home and in your heart. In your home and in your heart. So the first one is make room in your home. How do we make room for Jesus in our home? Do we like leave a seat and then put Jesus like a sticker on there? You know, so he can sit there. That's kind of weird. No, we're not doing that. But I am also not talking about like middle school prom at a private school. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't. You went to public school and it's like got crazy, you know, but I went to private school. Okay. And it was always this rule right here. We had the six inches, six inches for Jesus right here. So we did this action right here, middle school dance, the Sadie Hawkins. And we did this action and it was just very uncomfortable. It was weird. And I actually had teachers that would come by and be like, Hey, leave room for Jesus. And I was like, that is so stereotypical of you. So anyway, I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. Making room for Jesus in that way. What am I talking about? When you think about making room in your home, like let's just be very practical for a second. If you're actually going to make space in your home, what pops into your mind? If you were going to have a lot of guests over, uh, the first thing that you would do is probably clean, deep clean, and clean again. And some of you men are like, nah, I don't care. But then your wives are like, no, you will clean, deep clean, and then clean again because you're nasty, all right? You know what I'm saying? And so you got to clean. If you have kids, you're picking up the toys that need to be put away. There's lots of things that are just out and about uh, and also, the wives are making their husbands pick up all their clothes off the floor. Like, come on, put it in the hamper. Let's get these clothes washed. Let's get this stuff going. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so, and then maybe you have to uh, put away the mail that's on the counter. It's just things that you would normally have in your home that are just there. But when you have guests coming over, you know, you tidy up a little bit. You clean up a little bit more. You might move furniture around so you can have extra seating because you know there's going to be a lot of people. You might bring the kids' table out because you don't want the kids at the big table. They got to have their own table. Listen, I love the kids' table. It, it's popping over there. You know what I'm saying? I will go sit at the kids' table this Christmas. I don't even care. It is so much more fun than the adults' table. In-laws, I love you guys. Anyway, wait, we got we to figure out the kids' table situation, all right? But uh, you might move the table around. The coffee table might get moved out. There's just a rearranging that happens when you have guests coming over, right? Because you know that you're expecting people to come into your home. You're going to have extra guests. And so one way that I like to put this and one way that I think makes sense to me is what are you doing when you're making room in your home? You're just cleaning the clutter, cleaning the clutter. So that's my encouragement to you today to make room for Jesus in your home. Let's clean the clutter. You might be going to a house that doesn't celebrate Christmas, bah humbug to you, right? right. Uh, Mr. Scrooge over here, okay, I understand. Some people do, some people don't. But more often though, this is the general census, okay? 
is you might have family coming into town or you might be going to visit family that cares a little bit more about the gifts, the Christmas lights. Let's go look at all the lights. Let's go uh, to all these different cool places and do these different things. Let's get hot chocolate and cookies and all this stuff. Let's go have fun with all the Christmas stuff. We're going to go to parties. We're going to wait in lines at the store for the Nintendo Switch that is out, right? Uh, the different traditions that you might have. You might be going to a family or they might be coming to you, and that's maybe more of what they care about. And all that stuff is great. But when it comes down to it, that's all that it is, is stuff. That's all that it is, is stuff, things, right? And it's not really the true heart of Christmas. It's just clutter. And we end up putting the Christmas clutter over Christ. And now we don't have any room for Jesus within our Christmas traditions because now we've already invited all these other family members called traditions, parties, presents, and all these other things into our home. And now we haven't made any room for Jesus within our traditions and within our holiday celebrations. And so you might need to declutter your home. And so I want to give you five things just very quickly. These are very practical things on how to clean the clutter and make room in your home for Jesus this Christmas season. So if you're taking notes, number one, it is very obvious, people. Go to church on Christmas. Come on. If you're not going to church on Christmas, I mean, then it's, I mean, what are we even doing here? That is the point of what we're celebrating. And, and I know it's a family time, and I love celebrating my family and being with family, but this is where faith and family intersect, right? And if I'm going to pick one or the other about Christmas, I'm always going to pick Jesus first, okay? I'm always going to make sure that I take my family to church for Christmas services, whatever that looks like, wherever you are. You might be going out of town. You might be going somewhere else, and they don't even go to church on Christmas. Man, find a church to go to on Christmas Eve. Find a church to go to that Sunday. Wherever it is, make going to church a priority. And for us, we're having ours on the 19th. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast. But then we also have uh, the 23rd, the Christmas Eve's Eve, not Adam, Christmas Eve's Eve service that's going to be uh, a lot of fun too. And that's going to be the more traditional service where we sing Christmas carols, have the living room set up. Uh, we're going to have communion together. We're going to have the candle lighting. It, it's just a very honoring and reverent time of remembrance of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So go to church. That's the first thing. The second one is something that uh, some families do, but not all families do. But I think this is a really important thing is have a special time where you read the Christmas story with your family. Actually break open the Bible, okay, and read in Luke chapter two. Read the passage that we just read and read all of it and let your kids ask questions. Let your kids talk about the Christmas story and maybe even actually do that funny thing where we do on video sometimes where we have the kids tell the Christmas story. That might be a fun thing that you can do with your family every year. Say, hey, what is the Christmas story? How does it go? And let them tell it and then say, all right, let's actually read the Christmas story together. Let's see how it actually goes, okay? And have a lot of fun with that. Another thing that you could do is sing carols with your family. Like sing carols, Christmas carols that exalt Jesus. There's a lot of Christmas carols out there, right? Some of them exalt Jesus and some of them are just a bunch of fluff about Santa, okay? And that's totally fine. I like all of them. They're a lot of fun, but they're there are some Christmas carols, y'all, that have deep, deep, rich theology within them. That if you actually get into the nitty-gritty of those lyrics, it will blow your ever-loving mind on the theology that is in there. It is insane what these Christmas carols have within them. And we just sing them, and it's like, oh, this is fun. Like, joy to the world, the Savior. You know, we sing all these songs. We have no idea what we're actually singing. So get into the meaning of some of those and sing some Christmas carols with your family. It could be something fun to do, but it also has that powerful meaning behind it. That's how you can clean the clutter 
number four, give to someone in need. Or, or go volunteer in an organization that's doing something good in the community. Give to someone in need. I was so blessed. Uh, last week, we gave to our miracle offering, which was just absolutely amazing. How many of y'all were there? And it was exciting to see all the partners that we were getting to partner with this year. It's so cool. Really, really fun to see all the different things that we're going to be able to do this next year. By the way, I want to mention, if you missed the miracle offering or you missed that video, You'd like to see those different partners and, and, and people that we're actually supporting and giving to the different organizations. I encourage you, you can go to Facebook, you can go to Instagram, it's on there. It's also on YouTube, so it's all over the place. Make sure you just look up Miracle Offering 2021 Radical Church and you can check that out. And if you haven't already, please, you can give to the Miracle Offering up until the end of December. We wanted to keep it open to allow people that needed time to pray about it, to think about it, uh, say, hey, how do we really want to support this Miracle Offering you can do that to the very end, but there's so many organizations and so many people that are doing good, and there's people, I guarantee, in your family, there's friends that you have that could actually use some help, and so pray and ask God, how can we be a service to people? How can we bless people? How can we love people during this Christmas season? And the last one is, is quite obvious, and yet this one's really difficult sometimes, is share Jesus with family and friends. I know that you might have some people in your family that don't believe in Jesus, okay? You might have some family that are very opposed to the idea of going to church. They're very opposed to Jesus and the gospel and all this stuff. And, and they might actually give you a, a real big hard time about your faith. And, and they don't want to hear anything about it. And I understand, I think that there's some tact that we have to have when we talk to others about Jesus. You know, just coming right up to him, I made a joke with Michelle. Uh, I think I might have even talked about this before when we were at that event in the community and, and we just joked, it would be so funny just to walk up to people and be like, have you met our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You know, it's like, no, like, no, that's not how, that's not how we communicate. That's weird. Don't do that, okay? But there's a way to talk to your family and your friends. And I would say, pray and ask God for an opportunity Pray and ask God that he would soften their heart even now. This is a way, God, would you prepare their heart before they even get to the place that we're going, before they even get into my home. If you're hosting people over Christmas, man, just pray over your home and say, God, this is gonna be a place of honor for you and worship to you. And Father, we love you. And I just want every family member that I have to feel the same hope and love and peace that I have within me. So God, would you prepare their hearts and would you prepare this home to be a place of love for these people that don't know Jesus that are coming into my house? Man, if you would do that, I guarantee you the atmosphere would be completely different in your home this Christmas. Amen? Amen. Share Jesus with family and friends. So those are the five things, how to clean the clutter. Go to church, have a special time, read the Christmas story, sing some carols, give to someone or do something good and share Jesus with family and friends. But that's just the first one. That's how to, how to make room in your home. But there's another one that's even more important in my opinion, okay? It's even more important in my opinion. And it's making room in your heart. Make room in your heart for Jesus this Christmas. I'm gonna go ahead and have Tim and Sadie, whoever's coming up. Come on back up, guys. We're gonna sing a song here at the end. Making room for Jesus in your home is important, but it means nothing if you haven't made room for him in your heart. You can say Jesus is the reason for the season, but you don't believe it, right? I can preach it and teach it, but not live it. And we can all do that. And we can all do these things and sing these Christmas carols. How many, I mean, we sing Christmas carols all the time. And yet, I mean, me to be honest, it's, 
you got to go back and remind ourselves, hey, what am I singing right now? Even when we're in worship on Sunday mornings and we sing some of these songs, he's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. Like, do we believe what we're actually singing or are we just singing it because it's a cool song? Are we singing these Christmas carols and we know actually what we're saying? Or are we just singing them because that's what we've always done, right? Are we making room for Jesus in our hearts? And there is actually a special song that we all know. I'm going to ask you to sing it with me if you don't mind. Okay, we're going to sing the first verse. I'll give you the note, okay? Uh, joy to the world. We're going to sing a little bit of joy to the world. Joy, 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 joy. Is everybody ready? Everybody? Joy. There's your note, right? Ready? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, okay, and heaven and nature sing, uh-huh. Let heaven and nature sing. You sound great. Give yourselves a round of applause. Come on now. You sound good. Did you see what I did there, though? Let every heart prepare him Room, let every heart prepare room. Make room in your heart. But, but what does that actually mean, to make room in your heart for Jesus? And God actually did his part in preparing Mary and Joseph's hearts to receive the king. What did he do? We talked about it earlier. He sent an angel to Mary. He sent an angel to Joseph. And, and the angel told Mary what was going to happen. The angel reassured Joseph, hey, hey, listen, don't divorce her, okay? Like, this is from God. We promise this is a good thing, okay? And they had to prepare their hearts to receive the king. God comforted them through the angels. Hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. This is a good thing. Great joy. He gave them instructions on what to do. And the Bible says, you know, God chose Mary because she had favor with him. But here's the thing that was so important is that she had to open up her heart to say yes, open up her heart to receive the king. Open up her heart to receive what God was speaking into her life. And so my question for you is, is your heart open to Jesus this Christmas? Is your heart open to Jesus? And like making space for a guest in your home, you might need to declutter your heart too, right? We got some things that are going on within us. We got some things in our hearts that sometimes, man, we need to get rid of. We need to lay these things down as we're going into this Christmas season. And making room in your heart could look like a few different things. You know, we, we rush around so much and there's so much to do, but could we just take a moment, like what Rachel said earlier today, as she was uh, praying us out of worship. Could we just take a moment and be still? You just take a moment. And all the busyness and running around and things that we're doing, there's nothing wrong with all of that. But are we taking time to be still? Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Just quiet your heart for a minute and allow God to speak to it. We're not very comfortable with silence, right? We're not very comfortable with not having anything to do. We're not very comfortable when we don't have our phones in our pockets at all hours of the day. I understand that, I'm one of those people. I'm on my phone all the time. I need to be better about that, to be honest. My wife said, amen from home. God bless you. <laughs> Oakland even does that too. That's when, you, that's when you know you gotta put your phone away. Daddy, get off your phone. I'm like, all right, son, fine, okay. All right, all right, all right. But can we sit still for a second and know that he is God? In the stillness, 
that's when God is able to speak to your heart. If you're running around so busy all the time, how can you expect to ever hear anything from God? You don't give him the time. That's how we make room in our hearts. Number one, that was the first one. The second one, I think this is really important too, especially going into the season with a lot of family coming around. You might have had troubles with some family members in the past. There might be a lot of unforgiveness in your heart. Might be a lot of bitterness in your heart toward a family member, a friend, or somebody that's hurt you in your life. And you might have been harboring this stuff for a very, very long time. You know what that ends up doing to your heart? It ends up just cluttering it up. It just takes up too much room. It takes up too much space. You're allowing that unforgiveness to take space in your heart that it is not meant to be there. It's not meant to be there. You know what's meant to be there? It's the presence of God and the Spirit of God. You know what the Spirit brings? He brings love. Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. How many of y'all want some more of those things in your heart instead of unforgiveness, bitterness, anger? We don't want those things in our hearts. And so some of you might need to prepare your heart as we're going into this season. You know that you're about to see some family don't maybe get along with. You got some things with them. Make the choice today to let go. Make the choice today to forgive them to make room in your heart for Jesus to clean that stuff out of you so that by the time you actually see them this Christmas, you're already in a place of peace. You've been still, you've been sitting with the Lord. You've made room for him in your home. You've made room for him in your heart. You've prayed, you've been in your word. You're at peace with yourself. You're at peace with others. The Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, right? So anything that's not peace is not from Jesus, right? So we need to have peace in our homes and in our hearts. Maybe there's somebody that you need to forgive or maybe there's somebody that you need to ask forgiveness from so that you can be made right in relationship with them and allow God to heal those relationships. Make room for God to speak, make room for his presence, make room for worship, make room by removing distractions, by removing the things and the traditions out of the way so that we can put in priority in his place, Jesus, where he belongs, which is first, amen? What would God be able to do in your life this Christmas season if you would simply just make room for him? Make room for him today. With everybody standing in this place today, if you can. A little bit of a different message today, right? We started off, we started off real fun, okay? We had the, the history lesson for a little bit and then had little three segments today. There's a lot of extra fluff that's added into the Christmas story, right? We, we just found that out. And I encourage you, go research it for yourself. It's really cool. There's pictures of what the homes looked like and what it could have been. And it's really fun when you dig into some of that stuff in the Bible. There's a lot of extras, like the mean innkeeper that probably just wasn't there. Santa Claus, which we won't, you know, talk about that. And more, but the real story of what happened 2,000 years ago is better than any fiction that could have ever been written. The real story of what Jesus did for you and for me is better than any children's book. It's better than any kid's Christmas play. It's better than any production that we could ever put on. It's better than anything that we could ever imagine. The story, what actually happened, the reality is that Jesus came down and died on a cross for you and for me. 
we celebrate that at Easter, but I think what's even more important as we celebrate in Christmas is the fact that he would even come in the first place. That he came down as a baby. How does it even make sense that God himself would put himself in that kind of a form, in that vulnerable state? But that just demonstrates how much he cares for you and how much he cares for me and the fact that he would actually make himself like us. Live like us, have the same temptations as us. Deal with, the, with hunger and thirst and being tired. The Bible says he had to go rest often. He was tired. People wanted his attention constantly. Yet he had to be still and rest and even renew his heart and take time with his father the same way that you and I have to. Jesus came down as a baby, lived his life perfectly, sinlessly, right? And died on the cross so that you and I could have that right relationship with God restored. And you know what I wanna to do today as we're going into this Christmas season is I just wanna ask you if maybe your heart, you know it hasn't been in the right place. Maybe you know you haven't had that relationship with God and you wanna get your home in, in, in a peaceful state. You want to get your heart and your life into a place of peace. And, and listen, I'm telling you right now, you can have a certain level of peace on your own, but you will never find a peace that surpasses all understanding without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want to invite you today to invite Jesus into your home and invite him into your heart. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, there might be some of you today that need to make that decision. And there might be some of you today that you just need prayer because you know, hey, I'm going into this stressful season or it's been difficult for me. And I just wanna pray with you for a moment. We're gonna sing a song called Make Room. How fitting. And the song simply says, I will make room for you to do whatever you want. Do whatever you want to, God, in my life. I will make room for you. And this is a declaration that I want us to sing over ourselves, over our homes, over our hearts, over our families. Listen, I just want to ask, is there anybody out there today that says, hey, you know what? I haven't been living my life for God, and I want to make that decision today to give my life back to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna see your hand. I just wanna acknowledge you for a second and I wanna pray for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. If that's you, you just wanna give your life back to Jesus. Come on, you wanna give it to him for the first time? Amen, amen, amen. Is there anybody else? I see you out there. Is there anybody else today who wants to give your life to God for the first time or rededicating whatever that looks like for you? Amen, amen. Is there anybody out there today too that wants to have some more peace? has unforgiveness in your heart that you need to get rid of, has some things in your heart or in your home that you need to deal with right now, would you just raise your hand too? I wanna see you. I, if, that's, if this message has affected you at all and you just say, hey, that's me, I see you, I see you, I see you. Is there anybody else? You have anger in your heart, you have unforgiveness in your heart or you need to declutter some things and make it more about Jesus, I see you out there, come on. I just wanna pray for us right now. And actually, let's all pray together this same prayer. Jesus. I come before you humbly and I ask that you would declutter my heart, declutter my home. I'm going to make you first during this Christmas season. I thank you 
for coming down as a baby to live like me and to die for me. I give you my life and I put you first in it. You are my savior and I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for the people that said yes to Jesus? People that are letting go of unforgiveness and anxiety and worry and guilt, all these things, man. I just wanna take a second to finish this off by singing this song. I will make room for you as a declaration today over your family. Would you lift your voice and sing this out with us today? Come on. I will make room for you and in our homes, God. We declare right now that it will be a place where you are king, where you are Lord, you are savior, where you are first in our lives. No matter the traditions, no matter the fun, no matter the presents, the things that we do over this Christmas season, God, we know it's all fun and it's great to be with family. But God, we are reminding ourselves today to put you first before everything else. And God, I thank you for every person that's under the sound of my voice, that you would give them that peace that surpasses all understanding. 
that if there's healing that needs to happen, Lord, that that healing would happen right now in the name of Jesus. We declare faith. We declare wholeness in the name of Jesus. People are struggling with family dynamics, with kids, with brothers, with sisters, with parents. Lord, whatever it might be, God, I just ask right now that you would mend those relationships. That you would help us to let go of all unforgiveness that's in our hearts. You would mend the broken places, the wounded places in our hearts. Because Jesus, you were wounded for us. We don't have to be wounded like that anymore. We know that we can drop those things off at the altar. We can drop those things off at the cross. We trust you today that this Christmas season is going to be the best one yet. No matter if we've lost people close to us, God, Lord, I pray that the, the family members would just rally around each other in this time. I know it's so hard for some people that have lost someone close to them. Lord, would you help us to lift each other up during this season? God, I ask that you would give favor and blessing to every single person here. You'd prepare our hearts for what you're going to do. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, we love you so much, guys. Make sure to RSVP to Christmas at Radical. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. We love you so much. We'll see you soon. God bless.